Good morning. Last week I preached to you from the book of Hebrews. I was asked to continue with the sermon series in Hebrews because our ladies group is studying Hebrews. My plan is to do an overview of Hebrews rather than an in-depth study because the book of Hebrews is very deep. I'm sure you ladies are discovering that now. It is a masterpiece of theology outlining the inextricable relationship of the New Testament to the Old. I believe the Lord is directing us to spend some time in Hebrews for the purpose of acquiring a better understanding of the New Covenant. We call it the New Testament. It is really the New Covenant. Or... Well, we'll just call it the New Covenant. But this New Covenant is a living covenant. In fact, the New Covenant is a person. He has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. The New Covenant is God's plan for the redemption of mankind, which he initiated in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus as I've told you before, your salvation will not be complete until you see your Lord and Savior face to face. Our salvation is a work in progress. This is why St. Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But what's that mean? Work out your salvation. It means your salvation is a daily process. Therefore, we must be diligent in the word every day and ready at a moment's notice to share this gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, work hard to show the results of your salvation. NLT phrases that a little differently. Rather than work out your salvation, it says, work to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I entitled last week's sermon, The Great House of God. This week's sermon is entitled, The Great High Priest. Our text will be Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. Let us pray. Father God, once again we ask you to open our eyes to see your truth, our ears to hear your truth, our hearts to receive you in your fullness. Speak to us, Father. This morning, speak your highest truth to us. Every word you speak is highest truth. Regenerate our souls through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's start with a brief introduction to the book of Hebrews. The writer of the book of Hebrews is unknown. This remains a mystery to this day. There's a large consensus of scholars who believe that uh, Hebrews was written by St. Paul, but the fact is we just don't know. 
yet. The Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the truth of God. What we do know is that the book of Hebrews was written for Jews who had converted to Christianity and to help us Gentiles understand the old covenant in order to better understand the new. These Jewish converts had been stuck in legalism their entire lives. Following Jesus was a brave new world for them, a tough transition from the legalism of a works-based righteousness, from the age-old traditions of a religious system into a very personal relationship with Almighty God. For the Jews, the Shema now took on a totally different meaning in their lives. The daily prayer for the ancient Jews and to this day is called the Shema. It is still prayed in Judaism. It's from the book of Deuteronomy. Shema is a Hebrew word which means listen up or hear this. Slide one, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How did Jesus answer the Pharisees when they asked him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted them, the Shema. Love the Lord with everything you have. For these Jewish converts, the Lord God that they prayed this prayer to now actually walked among them. Some of them had seen him face to face. The Lord, Lord God Almighty had put on human flesh and revealed himself as Emmanuel, God with us. These Jewish converts believe that keeping the letter of the Old Testament laws, which was called the jot and tittle. Notice these little dots or these Hebrew words and dashes and slashes. They called it the jot and tittle. We would call it crossing your T's and dotting your I's. But they believed in keeping the letter of the law. And they believed in keeping the letter of the law was their salvation. That blood atonement was just a superficial window dressing of the faith. Some even believed they were guaranteed heaven simply because they were blood relation to Abraham. These new converts were only beginning to understand that in God's eyes, obedience is better than sacrifice. God's love language is obedience. But so many so-called Christians today are stuck in the very same legalism, a works-based righteousness, whereby they believe they can earn their way to God by simply being a good person. There's going to be a lot of good people that will bust hell wide open because they refuse to honor God. 
they refuse to obey his word and live a life of obedience. Good people, well-meaning well people, people who have treated you well all your life, they're still going to bust hell wide open because they do not obey God. These are the very same people who are convinced they know the mind of God. But to truly know the mind of God, you must know the heart of God. Max Lucado, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants to give you a heart just like Jesus. The question this morning is, which do you have? A heart of stone that steadfastly seeks to do your own will? Or do you have a heart just like Jesus, which always, ever seeks to do only the will of the Father? I had the privilege of touring Israel twice. Once in 2013, once in 2015. And on both occasions, the group I was traveling with, we were fortunate to uh, have the same tour guide on both tours. He was a Reformed Jew by the name of Roni. Roni was a former IDF soldier. He still held the IDF record for climbing the earthen ramp the Romans built to breach the walls of the last Jewish outpost called Masada. In Roni's day, this was part of your initiation into the IDF. You had to climb the ramp to Masada and take your oath as a soldier where the last Jews were killed. Roni carried with him an unusual Bible. It was an interlinear Hebrew to English. It contained the Old Testament and only the Gospel of John. Most unusual. But if all you ever learned or believed about Jesus was the Gospel of John, heaven is yours. But Roni only carried this Bible as a reference for the tours which he led, which were exclusively for Christians. The Gospel of John was... Just a reference. Roni was not a believer in Yeshua. But on the last day of our tour in 2015, Roni stood up and made a startling statement. Every morning when our tour group boarded the bus, we would designate a person to pray that that day the Holy Spirit would enlighten us and speak to us of the importance of what we would see, hear, and experience. On this day, Roni stood up in the front of the bus and he said to us all, you know, I'm not so sure now that what you people say and what you believe is not the truth. And of course, we all rejoiced in our hearts. Later that day, Roni and I were discussing when we thought the temple would be rebuilt in Jerusalem. I said, Roni, everyone knows that you've already built the accoutrements, the, the menorah and the, the, the priest robes 
I suspect you've probably already prefabbed the whole structure. And he looked at me like I was revealing state secrets. But I told him, your people have not been able to institute blood sacrifices for the sins of the people for 2,000 years. So how are your sins forgiven? He said, we substitute grain offerings. And I said, Ronnie, your scriptures are very clear. There can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. He knew I was quoting Leviticus. Slide two, please. Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the body is in the blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. As we study the book of Hebrews, here's the thought I want you to focus on. Slide three. When we consider all that Christ accomplished for us on the cross, it staggers our imagination to consider all he is currently accomplishing for us as our high priest. Jesus is always ever pleading with the Father God for his mercy and forgiveness, his providence and protection for each one of us, every last one of us, every day. To quote John MacArthur, you can summarize the whole of the book of Hebrews in one sentence. Ours is the high priest of high priest. And he is seated at the right hand of God. His work is done, completely finished for all time. MacArthur goes on to say, In this epistle, contrast reigns. Everything presented is presented as better. A better hope, a better testament, a better promise, a better sacrifice, a better substance, a better country, a better resurrection, a better everything. Jesus is presented in the book of Hebrews as the supreme best of everything and everyone. And we are presented as being in him and thereby dwelling in a completely new dimension, the heavenlies, heavenly places. We talked about this last week. St. Paul mentions the heavenlies or heavenly places five times in his letter to the Ephesians. That makes it very important. Paul emphatically states that because we are in Christ, we are seated with him, in him, in the heavenlies, which means that we possess his power and his authority. But do we use it? The three stages of the Christian life, I've given this to you before, What's the first one? Salvation. What's the second? Sanctification. What's the third? 
glorification. When you live in the power of Christ, you live in his glory. Wrap your head around that. You live in his glory. This is glorification. But you can't live in glorification without sanctification. So how are we sanctified? Slide four, please. Ephesians 5.25. He, Jesus, gave up his life for the church to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Do you feel holy and without fault this morning? God's word says you are. As my father used to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You cannot be washed clean, or in other words, sanctified other than by being washed by the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ and the water of the Word of God. If you're not in the Word, you're not clean. If you only bathe in the water of the Word once a week, you're not very clean the rest of the week. A Saturday night bath just doesn't cut it. Can I hear an amen? Saved, sanctified, and glorified. To what end? For what purpose? So we can manifest the glory of God to everyone around us. The glory of the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. Now I realize most of you here probably aren't football fans, but uh, what you may not know um, the NFC Championship game, San Francisco played the Detroit Lions. After the game, Jared Goff came up to Brock Purdy. What, what you may not know about Brock Purdy, he's another one of these hair-on-fire Christians. But what Jared Goff said to him really blessed my heart. He said, dude, you're a baller, which means you're an excellent football player. And he said, I love what you stand for. I love what you stand for. Brock Purdy doesn't open his mouth without glorifying Christ. We all have a platform. And if you listen to Brock Purdy more than two seconds, he'll tell you, my platform that has been given to me by the NFL that's exactly what it is, and I preach Christ. Football is my avocation. God bless him. John MacArthur again. We have a heavenly calling, a heavenly gift. We live in a heavenly country, the heavenly Jerusalem, and our names are written in the heavenly. Did you know your name is tattooed on the very hand of God? There's a lot of names. You could say the palm of God is all tatted up. Now, now where do you get that? 
Isaiah 49. Can a mother forget the baby that nursed at her breast? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Even if she could, I will not forget you. Behold, I have graven your name on the palm of my hand. Graven means either to cut it into your hand or to take indelible ink as a tattoo. God has tattooed your name on the palm of his hand. Therefore, your name is written in the heavenlies because God and his palm are in the heavenlies. He is the heavenlies. In the first two chapters of the book of Hebrews, we learn that indeed everything in our lives is better because of the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for most of us, preeminence is a $10 word. We don't use that in everyday conversations. Mama, that apple pie you made is preeminent. Not a word we use every day. Preeminence, by definition, is the fact of surpassing all others, superior to all others. Our Jesus Christ is preeminent. Is Jesus preeminent in your life? If he's not, he should be. Slide five, please. Hebrews 1, starting with verse 6. And when he, Father God, brought his supreme son into the world. God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he, God, sends his angels like the winds. Just like the wind, it's everywhere. God sends his angels everywhere on this earth. For what purpose? To help to help you in your salvation. His servants like flames of fire. What's fire do? It consumes. It devours all that is not pure. But the, to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. I want you to notice the word play here on the persons of the Trinity. In Colossians 2.9, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell there in Christ bodily. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O oh God, your God has anointed you. In other words, therefore, O oh Jesus, your Father, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. When Father God calls Jesus God, don't you question their equality. Slide six, please. 
He also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord Jesus, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothes. Global warming, I mean, really? This earth is wearing out like old clothing. This is by God's design. This is God's providence. Should we take as excellent a care of this earth as we can? Absolutely. But it's wearing out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you, Jesus, are always the same. You will live forever. Hebrews 13a. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Our perception of God is pathetic. I'll say it again. Our perception of God is pathetic. Our comprehension of his holiness is profane. Our consideration of and our commitment to God's calling on our lives is microscopic compared to his holiness. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Slide seven, please. C.S. Lewis. One of the most important attributes for understanding God and ourselves is God's holiness. When we catch vision of God's holiness, we can regard many things in our lives as holy. Think on that. When we lose a sense of God's holiness, as many have, then we lose the realization that anything is holy or unholy. And we also lose a sense of our own sinfulness. Our need for God's grace and the desperate plight of our culture. Slide 8. Hebrews chapter 2. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. And it still is. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. Chuck Swindoll. There is no reason to struggle with the question of whether or not we have God's truth. Put that to bed. 
We should not be asking, do we have God's revelation? The question we should be asking ourselves is, are we neglecting God's revelation? That's the bottom line. We have the Lord Jesus who gave the message. We have the apostles who received the message and recorded it. In the meantime, we have had the miracles of the past and even present day miracles accompanying this message, ratifying and attesting to its truth. Let us not drift from it. E.H. Peterson. He translates this next Next passage better, in my opinion, better than any other translator. Other translations completely miss the context here. Other translations go off on a tangent point to Christ's millennial kingdom. But the overarching context here is salvation. Slide 9, please. Hebrews 2, 5 through 9. From the message. God didn't put angels in charge of this business of salvation that we're dealing with here. It says in Scripture, What is man and woman that you bother with them? Why even take a second look their way? You made them not quite as high as angels, bright with Eden's dawn light. Then you put them in charge of your entire handcrafted world. When God put them in charge of everything, nothing was excluded. Slide 10, please. But we don't see it yet. Don't see everything under human jurisdiction. And we won't until Christ's millennial kingdom. What we do see is Jesus made not quite as high as angels. And then, through the experience of death, crowned so much higher than any angel, with a glory bright with Eden's dawn light. In that death, by God's grace, Jesus fully experienced death in every person's place. Every person's place. Cumberlands are distinct from all other Presbyterians in that we believe that last sentence quite literally in every person's place. In that death, by God's grace, Jesus fully experienced death in every person's place. Slide 11, please. The preface of the 1883 Cumberland Confession states, Cumberland Presbyterian's descent from the Westminster Confession of Faith as follows. Number one, we believe there are no eternal reprobates. In other words, we believe that God does not pick and choose who can be saved and who can't. If you have a longing in your heart to know Jesus Christ personally, to know him as your Lord and Savior, he will welcome you into his kingdom. No exceptions. Number two, we believe that Christ did not die for a select part of humanity, but for all mankind. 
Cumberlands are not Calvinist. We do not believe in unconditional election, nor do we believe in limited atonement. We believe Christ died for all mankind, no exceptions. And yep, that means the Hitlers and Stalins of this world, the most vile people who have ever lived, Christ died for them. But, To be saved by the grace and mercy of Christ's sacrifice, you must believe on him. Hitler had a chance. Stalin had a chance to believe. And they rejected it. And Christ will give you the power to receive him, to believe on him. Number three. We believe that the Spirit of God in the person of Jesus Christ has made complete atonement for the sins of all mankind in such a manner as to leave all men without excuse should they reject that atonement. We studied this last week, Deuteronomy chapter 30. God is imploring his people, choose life. Choose life. Choose me. Choose my grace. Choose my forgiveness. Choose life. Kathy and uh, Wayne, uh, if you would come forward. Prepare the table for communion. We have no restrictions on the sacrament of the altar here in this church. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a Cumberland. All we ask is that you are a professing Christian who believes in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on his cross for the salvation of all who will believe on his name. So as you come forward this morning, take both the bread and the cup together and then return to your seat. And we will take both the bread and the cup together.
We all have a wall or a sofa table, a designated place in our home for pictures of our loved ones. These are typically keepsakes, at the very least reminders of what we consider to be important in our lives, the people in our lives we love and cherish. The bread you hold in your hand this morning is a picture of Jesus, a picture of what he accomplished for you on his cross. This piece of bread is a picture of a crushed and broken, pierced and lacerated body, the body of our Lord Jesus. This bread is a picture of our sin, which Father God levied on the Lord Jesus so we can be forgiven. This bread represents the horrible suffering the Lord Jesus took upon himself so we can be healed body, soul, and spirit. Jesus said, this is my body sacrificed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we bless your name. We thank you as we partake of your sacrifice. Lord Jesus, now we thank you for the cup. This cup represents the blood you poured out on your cross for our redemption. Lord, we know the life of the body is in the blood. And you poured out your life's blood for the remission of our sins. Lord, we confess that our salvation is not in this cup. Our salvation is in the faith you have given us to believe that your sacrifice covers all our sins, past, present, and future. Lord Jesus, we confess that our salvation is not in this liturgy of the sacrament. Our salvation is in believing every word you have said. And you said, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. If you really love me, you will take up your cross and follow me daily. You said, if you really love me, you will trust in me to keep you, to provide for you, and give you the strength and courage to complete the journey I have ordained for you. Lord, today, we remember and honor the high price you paid for our salvation. Let us all take the cup together. If you would stand, we will repeat the prayer of Psalm 51. Repeat after me. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. You desire honesty from the womb. 
teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back the joy of my salvation. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Blessings to you all.